Chapter six of Peeps at People Being Certain Papers from the Writings of Anne Warrington Witherup by John Kendrick Bangs. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter six Zola Anne Warrington Witherup read by K. Hand Zola read by phone Hussar read by Nemo. To visit a series of foreign celebrities at home without including Emile Zola in the list would be very like refusing to listen to the lines of Hamlet in Bacon's immortal tragedy of that name. Furthermore, to call upon the justly famous novelist presupposes a visit to Paris, which is a delightful thing, even for a lady journalist. Hence it was that on leaving Woking, after my charming little glimpse into the home life of the Lang Manuscript Manufacturing Company, I decided to take a run across the channel and look up the Frenchman of the hour. The diversion had about it an air of adventure which made it pleasantly exciting. For ten hours after my arrival at Paris, I did not dare ask where the novelist lived, for fear that I might be arrested and sent to Devil's Island with Captain Dreyfus or forced to languish for a year or two at the Chateau d'Ilf near Marseilles, until the government could get a chance formally to inquire why I wished to know the abiding place of Monsieur Zola. There was added to this also some apprehension that even if I escaped the gendarmes, the people themselves might rise up and string me to a lamp-post as a suitable answer to so treasonable a question. To tell the truth, I did not go about my business with my usual nerve and aplomb. Had I represented only myself, I should not have hesitated to expose myself to any or to all danger. Entrusted as I was, however, with a commission of great importance to those whom I serve at home, it was my duty to proceed cautiously and save my life. I therefore went at the matter diplomatically. For fifty centimes I induced a small flower-girl, whom I encountered in front of the Café de la Pas, to inquire of the head-waiter of that establishment where Monsieur Zola could be met. The tragedy that ensued was terrible. What became of the child I do not know, but when, three hours later, the troops cleared the square in front of the café, the dead and wounded amounted to between two hundred and fifty and three hundred, and the china, tables, and interior decorations of the café were strewn down the Avenue de l'Opera as far as the Rue de l'Echelle, and along the boulevard to the Madeleine. The upper house itself was not appreciably damaged, although I am told that pieces of steak and chops and canned peas have since been found clinging to the third-story windows of its splendid façade. My next effort was even more cautious. I bought a plain sheet of notepaper and addressed it anonymously to the editor of La Patrie, asking for the desired information. The next morning La Patrie announced that if I would send my name and address to its office, the communication would be answered suitably. My caution was still great, however, and the name and address I gave were those of a Blanchon Suisse, who ran a pretty little shop on Rue Rivoli. That night the poor woman was exiled from France, and the block in which she transacted business demolished by a mob of ten thousand. I was about to give up, when chance favored me. The next evening, while seated in my box at the opera, the door was suddenly opened, and a heavy but rather handsome-eyed brunette of, I should say, fifty years of age, burst in upon me. Mon Dieu! she cried as i turned save me tell them i am your chaperon your mother your sister anything only save me you will never regret it she had hardly uttered these words when a sharp rap came upon the door entrez i cried 
Que voulez-vous, messieurs? I added with some asperity, as five hussars entered, their swords clanking ominously. Your name? said one, who appeared to be their leader. Anne Warrington Witherup, if you refer to me, said I, drawing myself up proudly. If you refer to this lady, I added, she is Mrs. Watkins Wilbur Witherup, my, uh, my stepmother. We are Americans, and I am a lady journalist. Fortunately, my remarks were made in French, and my French was of a kind which was convincing proof that I came from Westchester County. A great change came over the intruders. Pardon, mademoiselle, said the leader, with an apologetic bow to myself. We have made the grand faux pas. We have entered the wrong box. And may I know the cause of your unwarranted intrusion, I demanded, without referring the question to the State Department at home? We sought. We sought an enemy to France, mademoiselle said they. Resort the ended air. I harbor only the friends of France, said I. Vive la Witherup! cried the hussars, taking the observation as a compliment, and then chucking me under the chin and again apologizing, with a sweeping bow to my newly acquired stepmother, they withdrew. Well, mamma, I said, turning to the lady at my side, perhaps you can shed some light on this mystery. Who are you? Softly, if you value your life, came the answer. Zola, c'est moi. Mon Dieu, said I. Vous? Bien, bien, bien. Speak in English, he whispered. Then I can understand. Oh, I only said, well, 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 I explained. And you have adopted this disguise? Because I have resolved to live long enough to get into the academy, he explained. I cannot tell you how grateful I am for your timely aid. If they had caught me... They would have thrown me down into the midst of the clock. Come, said I, rising and taking him by the hand. I have come to Paris to see you at home. It was my only purpose. I will escort you thither. No, no, he cried. Never again. I am much more at home here, my dear lady, much more. Pray sit down. Why, when I left home by a subterranean passage, perhaps you are not aware... Over a thousand members of the National Guard were singing the Marseillaise on the front piazza. Three thousand men were dancing that shocking dance, the Cancan, in my backyard, and four regiments of volunteers were looking for something to eat in the kitchen, assisted by one hundred and fifty petroleurs to do their cooking. All my bedroom furniture was thrown out of the second-story windows, and the manuscripts of my new novel were being cut up into souvenirs. Poor old mamma, I said, taking him by the hand. You can always find comfort in the thought that you have done a noble action. It was a pretty good scheme, replied Zola. A million pounds sterling paid to your best advertising mediums couldn't have brought in a quarter the same amount of fame or notoriety. And then, you see, it places me on par with Hugo, who was exiled. That's really what I wanted, Miss Witherup. Hugo was a poseur, however, and if he hadn't had the kick to be born before me... Ah, said I, interrupting, for I have rather liked Hugo. And where do you wish to go? To America, he replied dramatically. To America? It is the only country in the world where realism is not artificial. You are a simple, unaffected, outspoken people who can hate without hating, can love without marrying, can fight without fighting. I love you. Sir, or rather mamma, 
said I, somewhat indignantly, for as a married man, Zola had no right to make a declaration like that, even if he is a Frenchman. Not you as you, he hastened to say. But you as an America, I love. Ah, who is your best publisher, Miss Viserup? I shall not tell you what I told Zola, but they may get his next book. Monsieur Zola, said I, placing great emphasis on the monsieur. Tell me, what interested you in Dreyfus? Humanity or literature? Both, he replied. They are the same. Literature that is not humanity is not literature. Humanity that does not provide literary people with opportunity is not broad humanity, but special and selfish, and therefore is not humanity at all. Did Dreyfus write to you? I asked. No, said he. Nor I to him. I have no time to write letters. Then how did it all come about? I demanded. He was attracting too much attention, cried the novelist passionately. He was living tragedy while I was only writing it. People said his story was greater than any I, Emile. Witherup, said I anxiously, for it seemed to me that the people in the next box were listening. Merci, said he. Yes, I, Mrs. Watkins Wilbur Witherup, of Westchester City, USA, was told that this man's story was greater and deeper in its tragic significance than any I could conceive. Wherefore I wrote to the War Department and accused it of concealing the truth from France in the mere interests of policy, of diplomacy. I made them tremble. I made the army shiver. I have struck a blow at the Republic from which I will not soon recover. And today Dreyfus pales beside the significance of Zola. I believe in free institution, but heaven help a free institution when it clashes with a being of cooperation like Emile. With rap. Do be cautious, I put in again. Yet, sir, I added, they have quashed your sentence, and you need not go to jail. No, said he gloomily. I need not. Why? Because jail is safer than home. That is why they did it. They dare not exile me. They hope by quashing me to be rid of me. But they will see. I will force them to imprison me yet. If you are so anxious to visit America, why don't you? I suggested. There is no duty on the kind of things we do not wish to manufacture ourselves. Ah, said he. If I was exiled, they would send me. If I go as a private citizen, well, I pay my own way. Oh, said I. I see. And then, as the opera was over, we departed. Zola saw me to my carriage, and just as I entered it, he said, Excuse me, Miss Viserup. But what paper do you write for? I told him. It is a splendid journal, he cried. I take it every day and especially enjoy its Sunday edition. In fact, it is the only American newspaper I read. Tell your editor this, and here is my photograph and my autograph, and a page of my manuscript for reproduction. He took all these things out of his basque as he spoke. I will send you tomorrow, he added. An original sketch in black and white of my house, with the receipt of my favorite dish, together with a recommendation of a nerve tonic that I use. With this will go a complete set of my works, with a few press notices of the same, and the prices they bring on all bookstands. Goodbye. God bless you, he concluded huskily. I shall miss my stepdaughter, as I would an only son. Adieu. 
We parted, and I returned, much affected, to my rooms, while he went back, I presume, to his mob-ridden home. End of chapter 6